Hotel Podcast, a global conversation hosted by Alex Resvan Hello and welcome back to the Retail Podcast. It's a great honor to meet someone who is not only a shining example of the path that any entrepreneur would like to take, but someone who's actually, from what I saw when I spoke at his event, someone who's laying the foundations of the future of retail within e-commerce and within a specific platform. So without any further ado, let me bring Nathan um, to, to the stream. Hey, Nathan, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. How are you? Well, really good. I was just um, starting to talk about how not only, I mean, you, you t when, when you have these gigs, when you turn up and talk or you're part of a panel, you sort of have an idea of the company or the group of people. But I had no appreciation for the depth of community that you've created, not only within the retail space, but within the partner ecosystem of people you know, paving the way for the future of retail. So these are future retailers, and we'll talk about some of your customers and your partners. But for those who don't know Nathan Lomax or Quickfire Digital, why don't you give us a, a quick, you know, overview of who you are uh, and, and your um, agency? For sure. Thank you. So as I said, my name is Nathan, co-founder of Quickfire Digital. There's three co-founders within the agency. So you've got Fred, who looks after e-commerce strategy, Martin, Systems Process Finance, all the bits I'm useless at, uh, and then myself, new business, growth, sales, uh, essentially trying to scale the agency to where we want to take it to. Now, the agency started the 1st of June 2017, and if I take you back four or five years before then, I was at that crossroads that, that many students find when they get to that 18 years old. Do they or do they not go to university? And I personally uh, have uh, views that the, the kind of educational system is broken in a way that... I was very lucky to go to a private school, but they kind of signpost you towards university as the only option. And I know that it's getting better now, but at the same time, university, I didn't think was right for me and I wanted to start my own business. So I did some traveling, I came back and I just went straight into it. Now I appreciate that many people may not have the self-confidence or self-belief to do so. Uh, and I believe that was largely because my parents have been in the world of entrepreneurship for the last 40 years, they've run hotels. And some of the conversations we have today around customer service and values and how we look after our clients, et cetera, you'll see a thread, right? Which yeah. has been over me from a young age of looking after people when they check into the hotel, et cetera. So set up the agency as almost a freelancer back in 2012, grow it as a bit of a lifestyle. Alex, I had the most fantastic life. And when I say that like the, the opportunities I had as a young 18, 19, 20 year old and good revenues, working with great clients, it was fantastic. The trouble was it was very much of a lifestyle. Okay, so I would get back and I dreamt of this open plan office with all these heads and I'd walk in and wow, this is what we've created. Uh, and actually the team, we built the we built a remote team out in India. Yeah. Fantastic bunch. So you couldn't find more hardworking people. They were brilliant. Um, but actually it just, it didn't fulfill me. And I thought, actually, if I'm going to grow and sell this agency at the moment, the value is just with me. Yeah. So how do we create an agency that's beyond Nathan as a brand? And actually at the time that the, the brand was called NathanLomax.com. So I was like, blimey, okay, we're going to have to stretch past this. So sure enough, roll forward to the 1st of June, 2017, and I rebrand uh, to Quickfire Digital. And about a week later, we merged with two others and took on two other co-founders. Um, the idea was at the time, I didn't think I could justify a 50, 60,000 pound developer, but what I could justify was someone to take some equity. Right. So that's what we did. Little did I appreciate, I understood the concept of economies of scale, but little did I appreciate how quickly the agency would gain traction. So originally we were doing everything for everybody. 
You yeah. wanted a PPC campaign, you wanted a paid social campaign, you wanted a website, WordPress, Shopify, whatever it was, you wanted it, we'd do it. Over time, we learned the importance of niching. Okay. And actually, it was in 2019 or 2020, just yeah. before the pandemic. So I think 2019 feels yeah. like a long time ago now. And we said, actually, we need to become known for something. If we want to break out of our local bubble and yeah. be known in Norfolk, but want to be known nationally and internationally, we yeah. need to really stand by something and hang our colors to the mast. Uh, and the idea was, okay, looking at the clients we've got, looking at the work we've done, what are we most enjoying and where are we making strong margins? And for us, that was in the world of e-commerce. Yeah. We were getting it more right than wrong. And we were also really enjoying the work we were doing. Fine, we'll go down the route of e-commerce. Well, thank goodness we did because the alternative was hospitality and lockdown then happens. Yeah. All the hotels, accommodation, et cetera, shuts down. E-commerce goes through the roof, right place, right time. The agency tripled overnight almost. Um, there was this initial period of uncertainty and yeah. then everyone realized, blimey, e-commerce is our vehicle out of the this, this situation. Uh, and I don't know about you guys, but we had Amazon parcels turning up almost every day. It was like a little warehouse here. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, e-commerce went nuts. The team quickly scaled. And, and then there were certain milestones, which I'm sure we'll cover today, yeah. which then really snowballed and propelled it to, to where we are today. If we sort of unpack your journey from 2017 to 2022, where you win Agency of the Year um, or, yeah. or um, European E-commerce Agency of the Year, what, 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 what contributes? What are the factors that contribute to that journey? What were the tools that you used or, you know, what's yeah. the secret sauce there? I think the first thing I would say is an absolute obsession. And my other half will be testament to that. I'm obsessed with growing and scaling this agency and building the best pool of clients that we can. When you say your other half, you mean like your other half? My, is it Nick, Nikki, my partner. Oh. Uh, we live together and she is um, so understanding and tolerant. I can't switch off, Alex. The weekends come. I, I remember you talking about your LinkedIn posts and how they were driving her wild. Yeah. <laughs> so she just like, she's so understanding and so supportive. And look, that I wrote a, a post on this this morning, actually, that unless you've got that support system around you, yeah. it's impossible, in my opinion, to grow and scale a, a successful business because sometimes it is your 100% focus. Okay. And that's difficult being the partner and sometimes playing second fiddle where you just would like some attention and some support, et cetera. She's yeah. got her own challenges, she's got her own job, et cetera. She's looking at me for help, but I'm so engrossed in where this agency is going and how I'm getting it there. I'm absolutely obsessed. I wake up in the morning. One of the first things I think about is the agency before I go to bed. The thing I'm thinking about the agency when I'm in the shower in the morning, I'm thinking about the agency when I'm yeah. playing cricket on a Saturday, I'm thinking about the agency, which explains why my cricketing affiliate has significantly dropped. Um, but yeah, I just, I'm just obsessed with it. And I'm obsessed with it for a number of reasons. One is because I love the world of e-commerce and I'm incredibly passionate about driving change within that space. Two yeah. is that I love connecting people and building communities and we're starting to get some really nice traction there. Yeah. And three is I just love what I do. I love, I, I get to Sunday and I don't have those Sunday blues where I think, oh crumbs, it's Monday. I, I genuinely think, come on, it's Monday. Yeah. What are we going to do? How are we going to make a positive impact this week? I'm I'm big into gratitude journaling. And ever since I've done that, I've started to realize that I have a really fantastic What's life. What's that? Just, I mean, just a gratitude. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I know what it is. It's writing what you're happy for, but. Oh, it, eventually, I'm, I, I, why did you do that? Where, where that? Wherever I go, literally it's there. Um, and it just, every day it says, what are you, when you wake up, it says, yeah. what are you grateful for? How are you going to make today great? And what's your positive affirmation? So that's the morning routine. Got and then the afternoon routine is also <clears throat> ideally before you go to bed, what was your good deed you did today? 
Yeah. How are you going to improve? And what are the three great things you experienced that day? Oh, and every day I just document those and I flick back and I'm like, blimey. Yeah, there's been some tough moments today. Yeah, it's been a tough call or a difficult client, whatever it's going to be, a team member yeah. or something sick. But you know what? There's been some great moments as well. And all sure. those great moments are captured in this book. Got you. So when you look at in terms of the actual leading up to the the award, it's just what, yeah. what you see is obsession, right? That was the, well, I, the I one thing that you've got. I see obsession. I see incredibly uh, hard work. But I also am I'm a big believer in this mantra, if you don't ask, you don't get, Alex. And actually, Great. for us coming up to that award, first things first, we had to firstly choose that we wanted to go down the Shopify route. So there there's courage, there's bravery, there's a, a kind of relentlessness to say, you know what, we are going to put our colors to the mask because too many people will try and be vanilla, do all yeah. things for all people, and then wonder why they can't penetrate the first million pounds. So yeah. that to me is the first thing. We then have this relentless pursuit of actually how are we going to be the best? And I guess that's from playing a lot of sports and sports at a good level as a child. Yeah, I don't just want to be the player that's playing and is just average, right? I want to be yeah. the best and so for me, that's amazing. We're now in Shopify. How do you be a plus partner? Okay, yeah. there's 28 plus partners in the UK. I want to be one of them. So then you go on this relentless pursuit of becoming a plus partner. And if you ask Carlotta, our partner manager, she got introduced to us. I probably sent her three or four emails a day for a good six months. Right? I'm just asking questions. What's a, what's a plus, what's a plus um, partner? So what's... Within the Shopify ecosystem, you have plus agencies, which are supporting enterprise level builds. Right. And uh, they're assigned to a plus manager or a plus partner. Okay. Um, someone like Carlotta for us who looks after the agency and helps answer any questions. Now, I think she's there for kind of, I don't know, checking once a quarter, see how you're getting on. Yeah. But that wasn't enough for me. I was like, Carlotta, every week, how are you getting on? What's new? What's coming up? So that was the first piece. We then reached out to the head of Shopify, Amir, at the time, a lovely lady called Shimona. Um, if you don't ask, you don't get in this life, Alex. I said, you know yeah. what, Shimona, we're running a webinar. Everyone's going online. Nothing's happening offline. I'd love you to speak. At, our event. at this time, I don't think we we're a plus partner. Barely anyone knew us. We're just starting in the world of Shopify. Suddenly, the head of Shopify, Amir, is on a webinar with us. That positions us in a fantastic position as a point of authority. So this is this is what I'm looking at here. Bang in your on. profile. This so is we're, the... in, we're in that webinar. Again. And the lovely lady bottom right is Shimona. I had a lovely lady called Jay Cow from Launch Online. Uh, great PPC agency. I had Dermot Sweeney uh, from Jim Plus Coffee. And, and, and just for that, again, just to take a couple. You, are yeah. you Shopify exclusively? We are now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So got got you. a big, big commitment for the agency to say, you know what? We are going to go away from building new stuff within yeah. other platforms. Now, occasionally uh, there will be a, a thread back to e-commerce. Yeah. Um, but I would say now 95% of the stuff we do is e-commerce focused. Got you. Uh, so I think, yeah, we, we started doing all this content and you saw the webinars there and, and all this different content we were putting out. And it was really just about educating and paying it forward. So we'll talk about personal values. But for me, that's one of my most important personal values is to relentlessly pay it forwards without expecting anything in return. Yeah. And I think you can get into that mindset of doing that. Uh, and just keep doing that and just persevere with it, the results start to compound. And now it's this rather ridiculous snowball. And I'll tell you a little story about that shortly. Yeah. So we get to, we get to this, um, this nomination and we're nominated for, at the time I was nominated as the UK rising star. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to win that within the world of agencies, yeah. then in Europe, and then I won that. And then we put the agency in for, UK e-com agency of the year and European e-com agency of the year. 
Won the UK one, flew out to Europe, took seven of the team, was convinced we were going to win. Just before I thought, Alex, how embarrassing if we didn't win. I've flown out the team out like, God, that would be awful. We'd put them up in hotels and all sorts. Anyway, had a few glasses of wine. Our name came up. We didn't win it. I was devastated because not only am I, um, I have a, a confident exterior, I guess, deep down there are still some insecurities like many of us. And I was devastated. Um, roll forward two weeks and they run the big European e-commerce awards. This was for small e-com agency. This yeah. was just e-com agency, right? And I was still a little bit in a strop and I thought we'd been hard done by. So they messaged to say, um, yeah, I kind of can't wait to see you. And I was like, oh, I won't be attending. I'm not going um so i kind of yeah i threw toys out of the pram not going anyway the next edit email to say where do you want us to send your trophy to you've won and i was like you idiot you stupid bloke like just drop the ego why didn't you go you've missed it um so yeah we actually got sent the award in the post and didn't attend but amazing accolade for the agency yeah a real testament to all the hard work that's gone in over the last five years um and now it's really given us the foundation to kick on again Okay, and that's the thing now is this back to this relentless pursuit and this obsession for scaling the agency. Great, we've done that. What's next? And that can be healthy. That can also be incredibly unhealthy because a personal value for me is all around growth and growth can be great. Growth can also be a problem. Too fast growth can be an issue. Okay, so what we have to balance now is what's right for the agency versus what's right for Nathan. Yeah. And what's right for Nathan is growth, growth, growth and all exciting what's right for the agency is not so much growth because actually last year we uh, think we're 35%, 40% over target. This year we said less is more month one. We're about 90% over target. So it's like, okay, well we need to slow down. We need to not grow so fast, but the opportunities keep coming and it's really exciting. So then you resource for them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So yeah, that's kind of running up to how we got to the awards. We won the awards. Fantastic. And now that's been a great stepping stone to bring some brilliant brands on board that have seen the accolade. The one thing I would say in hindsight is people look at the award and they put you on a pedestal. Yeah. Okay? So you're the European e-commerce agency of the year, which means for the agency, there's a massive focus on delivery. Yeah. Okay. You have to get it right. And in life, people go to work, they try their best, but they're human. They make yeah. mistakes. Again, okay? I'm not excusing people to make loads of mistakes for sure. But at sure. the same time, people are human and they do make mistakes. And I myself have to constantly remind myself that no one comes to work to do a bad job. Okay, they're all doing their best. <clears throat> and try as we might, sometimes people drop the ball. And that to me really gets me because a lot of this stuff I feel and take personally. And back to this obsession. Yeah. If someone, it can be the most basic thing, Alex. They don't put a full stop at the end of a sentence, whatever it's going to be. I just take it personally. I just, I just feel like it's our feeling. We could do better, and you're constantly striving. Are you quite tough to work for? Um, <laughs> on hindsight, you know, I, I, bottle, I bottle a lot of it up. I think yeah. I, uh, I certainly wouldn't share it kind of public with the team. I would never say, "Oh, like what have you done that for?" Blah blah blah. No, just yeah. If I've missed the full stop, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. I'd never, I'd never be calling someone out in the office. But I think yeah. what I do is internally, I'm just thinking to myself. I got you. We don't do that again. You've got an incredibly high bar. And so when things are not at that high bar, you feel that, you know, there's something amiss. It's not right. And I think if you roll, if you roll that back to the childhood and you look at the kind of growing up in a hotel, et cetera, the experience starts the moment the guest pulls down the drive. Okay. So you've got to think, so for me, I'm in the sales, but I'm at the first, I'm at the start. So I'm giving them that lovely experience. Oh, would you like a cup of tea on arrival? Come here's a chocolate, some biscuits. I hope your journey was all right. Let me carry your bags. 
Yeah, I need yeah. to make sure the second they check into that room, it's also spotless. And then when they're having coming for dinner, the food's prepped nicely and everything else. And, and that to me, I use a lot of restaurant and food analogies in the agency because I think there's a lot of crossover. Yeah, I got you. And it's, it's interesting when you look at the uh, journey. I mean, a, a, again, not for an, I, I don't know if you've got offices in London, but for an, not a headquartered agency in London where, you know, the predominant the majority of the agencies are, you've got some really big customers, Snugs, Fila, Juicy Couture, yep. and some really nice up and, gramming, up and coming brands as well, um, yep. which I, again, I, didn't, I had no idea, but like Tala, uh, when I was looking at what they're doing, super cool. But what do you put that down to in terms of, you must have gone through a journey of, you know, small, medium-sized enterprises to now large enterprises. And if you can give us a, an idea of the, the turnover, so yeah, what, what did you start at? What type of turnover were yeah. these Shopify um, stores doing? And what is the turnover that you're getting now? Of course. So I'd say three years ago, just before the pandemic, we're doing Shopify sites and we get an approach from a brand called Bremen Watches. Okay. Uh, it's a beautiful brand, a beautiful story. And they were looking for a Shopify store in six weeks. And I'm sure like many people are like, yep, yeah, we'll do it. No problem. What an opportunity absolutely worked through the night to get it done delighted with the end product launch the site etc we then fast forward and actually that all of a sudden people are like well if you can do it for bremont you can do it for us okay so it was a bit of a stamp of approval but at the same time by and large we were doing standard shopify bills between five thousand and fifteen thousand pound okay and the right. revenue wise they're probably doing 250 to a million okay 250k to a million right we then start picking up a couple of other brands and normally what's called on a retainer, like a, uh, we call them a growth package, but ongoing support to, again, obsess over <laughs> marginal gains, conversion rate, repeat purchase, average order value. Yeah. Okay. They're the three things I really want to hang our hat on. So we start picking up some other brands. So we win a brand uh, called Tala, which is fantastic, really up and coming brand. I've been a client of ours for the last couple of years. Amazing brand to work with. Really exciting business. We went Miley Cosmetics. They've been amazing. We took them off Magenta and brought them into Shopify. We then got the opportunity to work with Snug Sofa. We then start working with Juicy Couture and Magnum Boots and High Tech and Feeler. And uh, Tyler, actually, they, they've built their business on these kind of drops. So today, what you'll see is at 12 midday, Tyler are dropping a brand new range. And it's all off the back of their founder, a really inspirational lady called Grace Beverly. Uh, yeah. She's done an incredible job at Tyler. And so they're launching this new range today. So, so that's what you'll see. Um, but then we started picking up brands and then we won Beavertown Brewery. And I'll never forget, it was actually just the Christmas just gone. We won four new brands in four days and we document everything we do on LinkedIn because I've come from a very ordinary background and I want to show to people that if I can do it, anybody can do it. So yeah. I want to document the journey from the moment we start to hopefully the moment we exit. And so Beavertown, we won just before Christmas, announced in the new year, was super excited. The team were really excited. We're doing some great work with them. All of a sudden, the standard business size goes from five to 15,000 projects. We're now doing probably minimum spend 25,000 right through to 250,000. Yeah. And I think actually the minimum turnover for the business now is normally a million in revenue. Uh, right. From there. Okay. So one to 10, 10 to 100, and then 100 million plus. We normally, we've got probably 20% of our clients are 10 to 100, 80% of our clients are one to 10 mil. Um, Just taking it back to your customers. What do you think, what's the thing that they love about you in terms of in that sense? You mentioned the three metrics, right? Yeah. 
that, that they, they are looking to get. Conversion, sorry, I, I missed the first one. It was Your conversion rate, repeat purchase and average order value. So essentially, if you distill it down, what we're trying to do is grow the e-commerce store, okay? Now, what we yeah. don't do is we don't drive traffic. So one thing I think the clients love is that we have this dedication to something and we do it very well, which is design, yeah. build and conversion rate optimization of Shopify stores, okay? So if you want WordPress, if you want Wix, if you want Magento, fantastic, go over there. That's yeah. not right for us, okay? So we're very clear on what we stand for. Right. That allows us to create operational efficiency within the agency and something we're always looking to refine and improve. Yeah. But then you think, okay, for the client, we then have this unique methodology, which takes them through about 40 points, which is around, okay, what are you doing around returns? What are you doing around loyalty? What are you doing around SMS? What are you doing around email? What are you doing around uh, upsell, cross-sell, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And then you start building out the tech partners to match those boxes. Okay, so let's say you've got 40 boxes, you've got relevant tech partners in each, and then we start educating the client. So you put together a 90-day plan and you say, Alex, your business, you've sat down with me and said, Nathan, I'd like to take this business to 20 million pound next year. So yeah. currently at 14, we want to see how we can do that. And they lean on us to say, actually, what we could do is if we took average order value from 26 pounds to 29 pounds, yeah. well, based on that amount of sales, that takes you to 17 million. So you're getting closer. Now, if we improve repeat purchase so people are buying one and a half times or two times rather than one, we yeah. get even closer and we turn the lever further. And then if we take conversion rate from 2.2 to 2.5, Bob's your uncle, there's your 20 million. So we kind of just take the, try and take a bit more of a scientific approach. I mean, there's massive talk in the agency ecosystem about proactivity rather than reactivity. And I just ask that we walk the walk, right? Like, okay, you have a set hours each month. You have a 90 day roadmap. We deliver against the plan. You map it all out. The yeah. client has visibility. You do it, you measure it, you test it, and then you grow with the client. And as long as you keep growing with the client, they, they continue to have you. And normally, tend to find more hours and say, well, this is great, but actually we don't want 40 hours next month. We want 60 because we want to do something else. We want to try this. And now our job is to stay finger on the pulse in the industry, which is why we do so much of the community stuff. Yeah, Because we need to be at the absolute cutting edge of where e-commerce is going. Okay, so there's 9,000 apps in the Shopify ecosystem. I can't possibly know them all or befriend them all. But yeah. at the same time, the core players I want to be having coffee with, lunches with, dinners with. When they have new releases, when they have beta features, I want us first on the queue. Okay? Yeah. Because then our clients benefit. And then our clients go, wow, I'm going to go with this agency because not only do they have this obsession over marginal gains, but actually they really care about us. They're constantly thinking about us. We're getting access to new features. We are getting ahead and staying ahead of the competition. And that's where I want us to be. Got you. So there's a couple. Of, I'm going to ask you about the future of um, e-commerce in a minute, but I've got a, a personal question. So I had to do a talk about e-commerce uh, a couple of years back. And one of the points that I was trying to make, um, and it sort of came up at your event, and, and I just want to sort of get your thoughts on it. So um, one of the examples I used, I, I, I recorded my journey on um, a, a well-known platform um, trying to buy a camera, right? And, and my point that I was making, I don't know, have you seen the Interstellar movie? Uh, no, I don't think so. Right. So Interstellar, Earth's dying. They need to find a new planet. They find a planet. They go to a planet called Miller's Planet. On Miller's Planet, it's like dog years. One minute on Earth, sorry, one minute on that planet is equivalent to seven years on Earth. And my, my equation was, I felt that e-commerce was in that sense, Right. One minute on your website is like equivalent to seven of my personal minutes. So unless yeah. engagement is there, then it's going to 
very rapidly become tedious for me. And then the second point was just as the way, and this was the point that someone made, and I forget if it was you or who, you know, just as the way that catalog businesses died, you know, like the Argos catalog or K's catalog, you had thousands of pages of product. It didn't really die. All people did was scan it and put it online and then hope some video will create interesting engagement. And that's where I felt that e-commerce is challenged and not ability, its ability to respond to physical retail lacks that element. And but when then I'm just curious, what just on that point, what are your thoughts? Well, I think it's a brilliant question. I think that the one thing I'm seeing in particular is the mainly around personalization. Okay. And one thing we've lost when it comes to omnichannel retailing is that offline we can give that experience okay you can go over you can ask questions you can look after people you can get to know them you can see them you can style them etc now ai and technology is moving at such a rate that they are trying to replicate this experience okay so if we almost did a bit of role play and said okay i've walked into the store i visited the website we're on two similar journeys one's offline one's online someone's asked me how my day was uh, day is in store yeah. chat box has popped up from gorgeous or someone similar said, how's your day? Okay, match the experience. Someone has come over to me in the store and asked if I can help with anything. Fine, we can deliver a prompt online. We've got a similar experience. Someone has now looked at me and said, I think you would look great in this. And this is where we're starting to struggle. Okay, online is how does the website know this person's preferences, this person's sizing, this person's color preferences, et cetera, et cetera. And now you've got certain tools and um chrome extensions and all sorts that can say actually i know based on your behavior that you're a size six shoe that you love the color green that you like certain dresses and that you don't like i don't know pleated skirts but you do like something over here and therefore i know that actually you're going to like this type of product so in its simplest sense online you get tools like segmentify and other personalization engines rebuy both of which were at the the talk we went to yeah uh, that essentially saying if you're a male you're going to see this website. And if you're a female, you're going to see Is that on-site data that they're using to build their models or off-site data? As in... Yeah, it's a good question. I think they vary. Uh, I believe most of it is on-site. And therefore, the first experience you have, obviously, is a little bit of learning. And then it starts to improve as it goes. However, I am am believing that more and more of these tools are taking off-site experiences to then try and inform what they can. Sure. So I think the way in which we do this, particularly in this cookie world as well, or the, this challenge around data and privacy, that's a real challenge, right? Because in store, we can still use our eyes and we can use common sense, et cetera. Online, yeah. we've got these blockers and these hurdles to be able to say, actually, I want a personalized experience. Yeah. So that to me is where actually the web needs to go is how do we really complete that journey? And then you've got the post-purchase bit. So let's say you go to the till or you go to the checkout, you're having small talk at the till, etc. There's a chance for an upsell. We can do that on the shop and similar. Yeah. Then it's the then it's the unboxing experience. Then it's the after sell. Then it's the email to say thank you so much. Then it's the little touch, the surprise and delight, which is when you're in store, you ask when their birthday was, and when their birthday came, they got a card and a little cake. Yeah. Well, how are you gonna do that online? You're gonna have to collect that detail detail sometimes. You're gonna have to feed it into the CRM, into a clavio or something similar. So I believe we've still got a little way to go to properly deliver a, a real omni-channel experience. Yeah. But I do think the pandemic, there's a lot of talk about this. We probably moved 30 years from where we were in terms of e-commerce in three. Sure. 
Yeah, just everything exploded. Right. The thing is, is what happened with your Amazons of the world and people like that is we suddenly expected all our expectations just 10x, right? Everything was like, I want it and I want yeah. it now. And I'm going to use Prime. And I'm going to have it. I'm going to order it in the morning. By the evening, I'm going to have it. And now you take that and you look at a tool like Bodo or something like that, where you can now have same day delivery within something like Shopify, right? Yeah. So, okay, you're in a certain catchment, you want to buy something, it can be with you this afternoon. And I think people's patience is certainly changed from the lockdown, in my opinion, and people's expectations have massively shifted. Yeah. Well, it's the first time in, in uh, online history that retailers are passing back the charges for returns, which is a whole nother uh, conversation. Yeah. I'm just conscious of time. So you mentioned, you, you know, you're looking at 3000 different plugins. You can't be experts in everything. Yeah. I'm just curious. And you mentioned some of the challenges of e-commerce, you know, like the omnichannel experience. Where do you see the future? What does that look like for you? I think it's got to be, it's got to be started with the AI conversation. You look at the chat GPTs of the world, Shopify just released something called Shopify editions. Now, like I say, when I talk about obsessing over, over Shopify and the growth of the agency, when the platform you're supporting drops a hundred new features, almost twice a year, you're like, wow, that's a lot to keep on top of. Not to mention all the 9,000 apps that bolt in and they're always evolving, et cetera. So the first thing is around AI, chat GPT, uh, Shopify released something called Shopify magic which is allowing people to, to kind of have their own product descriptions written, okay? You then start thinking about content and how we can make sure that within Shopify, they've made a massive transition towards B2B. Uh, right. And I think we'll see far more uh, retailers using B2B more as an opportunity as a channel. Of all the things I'm really excited about in the next 12 to 18 months is how many more brands go down the route of internationalization. I think with Brexit, a lot of... Uh, Businesses certainly here just paused and were a little uncertain on what to do, et cetera. Yeah. Now we're starting to say, actually, with someone like an Alavara, uh, Avalara uh, to, to understand the taxation rules, et cetera, with Shopify Plus and their expansion stores or with Shopify Markets and now Markets Pro coming down the line, suddenly selling in localized languages with yeah. relevant currencies is not difficult. Right. So actually, the barriers to entry are reducing. You then look at the fulfillment options. And before we know it, we're in a world where little old Johnny is doing X amount of revenue in the UK. But actually, they're doing great revenues in Australia, some in Asia, and they're a global business. Um, that's what I expect to see in the next 12 to 18 months is far more around AI and automation, a lot more around operational efficiency. Now, does this mean redundancies within retailers? I don't think so. I think it means reallocation of resource to say, actually, we don't need someone now to be writing product descriptions day in, day out. They yeah. can actually go and change their role and drive growth in the business in another way. So I think that's really healthy. I also would just err on the side of caution that your chat GPTs of the world aren't just going to solve things overnight, right? And now there's, we were talking last night at dinner that Google can see what's been written by a person versus a, a bot, etc. So actually, you have the base. Chat, chat GPT will give you a base. 70% yeah. of the content, fine. But if you're not changing it and making it your own, et cetera, then actually it's just a bit of a black uh, a black magic kind of hack. And I think you'll get found out. Um, so yeah, AI, internationalization, the rise of B2B and, and really exploring wholesale as a channel, I think is what we're going to see more and more of in the next 18 months. And certainly from the leads we're seeing coming through, that's the flavor of what people are looking at. The only other thing I'd mention is the, the whole no code revolution. Sure. And I think 
more and more people are saying like Shopify 2.0 was rolled out, which made everything far more modular, great for split testing. Uh, that was a huge step forwards. And it yeah. meant that when you are on retainer with an agency, you're getting them to do stuff that's going to drive growth as opposed to changing uh, layouts of pages, etc. The one thing I would say is that now, yeah, this, this whole model of agency to client relationship, I think clients are far, getting far more savvy and saying, actually, agency, if you're going to be with me for 20 hours, 40 hours, 60 hours a month, whatever it is, yeah, some kind of return. I'm going to attach some KPIs to it, et cetera. So a really exciting time for the world of e-commerce. People are going to be constantly bringing out new features, constantly trying to jump on the bandwagon of the next big thing, et cetera. But I really encourage people not to lose sight of the core principles of average order value, repeat purchase and conversion rate those three aren't going away anytime soon. It's a wonderful moment to, to end uh, the, the show on, but I do have one final question. It's again, a personal one, and I'm curious on your experience. Does dwell on a, a, a website increase conversion or not? And I know that's subjective, but is there a correlate? Have you seen a correlation of it? I haven't, and I would say no. And the reason I would say no is you, I, I've had a couple of clients with configurators um, yeah. and there's a lot of talk about gamification and we use a great tool called Adichie. Yeah. Um, and it's all really exciting, but sometimes they're, they're a little bit gimmicky and the amount yeah. of people that particularly look at the car model, they'll sure. build the most unbelievable Porsche. How many people then go and buy said Porsche? Yeah, yeah versus dwell on the site and look around and get all engrossed by giving it a crazy trim and lovely exterior etc yeah and then do nothing with it so yeah for me i still encourage all all of our clients as much as possible to not forget that yes we want to give people the opportunity to have a great experience online and we want them to read content and we want to educate them etc yeah. when it gets to the crux of it we want yeah. to get them a to b as quickly as possible yeah. okay so how can we get them from landing page whether that's product page collection page or home page through the checkout and Shopify release one page checkout. So even yeah. that's less seem, uh, less frictionless or, or yeah, less friction, more frictionless. Um, essentially, how do you get them from A to B as quickly as possible and turn them from a one-off customer to a repeat customer into a raving fan and brand advocate? That's still so important. Brilliant. What a, what a great way to end. Nathan, uh, thank you so much. Thank you again. Take care.